This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Abner Maris is a world champion boxer, Olympian, sports commentator, and most importantly, dad to two little girls. Beloved by abuelas and hardcore fans alike, Abner is a pro at entertaining the world in and out of the ring. On Blue Wire's new podcast, On the Hook with Abner Maris, we'll hear from Abner, his family, fellow athletes, and other people who made him the boxer and the man he is. They chat about topics such as the state of boxing, Abner's American dream, being a husband and a girl dad, and much, much more. Listen to On the Hook with Abner Maris wherever you get your podcasts. Episodes in English out on Tuesdays and episodes in Spanish out on Wednesdays. Six has been wrapped up and the bow has been placed on top. Welcome back to Prospects 101, the show where we break down prospects from all levels. High school prospects, college transfers, college recruiting, NFL prospects, and the NFL draft. As always, Prospects 101 is brought to you by our great partners of the show, Blue Wire Pods and Bet Online. Remember, you can interact with Prospects 101 on social media at Prospects101Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Brandon Pastel. What's up, Brandon? Dude, what's up, my man? Dude, I will say this. The greatest invention I think I've come to realize is the phone being able to stream live sports. I say that because I was hosting yesterday in my apartment here at Charleston, and I went to the beach. I went out to, like, the clubhouse. I went downtown Charleston, and there wasn't always a game on TV that I could go watch, but I always had my handy-dandy phone, and I was able to watch the Virginia Tech game, unfortunately. I was able to watch some of the other games. So thankfully, it allows me to actually go be social and still watch football at the same time. If if you are a sports fan and you don't have Verizon cell coverage with a <laughs> portable battery, with a portable battery charger, then you're not really a sports fan. That's all I got to say. <laughs> That's all I have to say because you have Verizon, right? I did have Verizon. I have AT&T you get rid of now. It? Oh, no. Yeah. It, oh my god! It's okay for the the cities, a bigger city like I guess Lake Charleston. So I'm still able to stream. Yeah, but no, it, you're right. It might be the single greatest invention for a sports fan is being able to stream on your phone. I mean, I love it. That or even on other devices. Like I love sitting at my house having having like dual screens up on the TV. Then I have another game on my iPad. Then I have another game on my phone. So I'm watching like five or six games at a time. I love it. You have to. You have to. I mean, that Absolutely way, like totally. today, I'm going to have Red Zone on one, and I have the Bengals uh, game on the other one, so I'm able to watch everything but stay focused on the Bengals game today. <laughs> well, let's get into some – let's get – before we just start going down the NFL rabbit hole, let's uh, 
Let's get into some scores from yesterday. Some notable scores I thought were interesting was uh, Bama <clears throat> beat Ole Miss 63-48. Uh, Clemson beat Miami 42-17. Auburn controversially beat Arkansas 30-28. Georgia beat Tennessee 44-21. The Red River Shootout, Oklahoma in four overtimes beats Texas 53-45. UNC beats Virginia Tech 56-45. Texas A&M upsets Florida late, 41-38. And uh, Missouri upsets LSU, 45-41. And our boys, the Fighting Wheel Heelys, got Charlotte lit. got on. Club Lit was finally lit last night. They got on the, on the the in the win column. They beat North Texas, 49-21. Pastel, what are some quick reactions from you? In, in a time with so much unpredictability, the most predictable thing that you just said was the fact that Texas and Oklahoma scored, what was that, 100, close to 100 points Nine going into, points. like, what was it, three overtimes, four overtimes? Just could not – they couldn't win the game. That was the most – I could have just guessed that was going to happen, right? Like, everybody could have guessed that was going to happen. Anybody that saw that game, they hammered the over, and the over was, like, 75 points. <laughs> so, Dude, I got lucky. It was 72, and the over wasn't there. at So, if – Oklahoma scored to tie the game up with like 15 seconds left, and it still wasn't the over. If they didn't go to OT, the under hits. Yeah. But, I was like, But, yeah, the, everything else, though, man, I mean, I guess really outside of Clemson beating Miami, it was kind of a, it was a great game, kind of unexpected. I mean, Bamba, they could have certainly lost that game if Ole Miss recovers a, a onside kick that they should have had. Uh, Virginia Tech, unfortunately, lost versus UNC, which any other Virginia Tech fan out there listening to this game, Yes, Burmeister probably should have been out of there, and Hendon Hooker should have been the starting quarterback the whole game. But you can't let UNC score 56 points and not put anything on your defense. And I know three starters were out in the secondary, but that defensive line was horrible. I mean, they were practicing social distancing. They looked like Swiss cheese. <laughs> like They were getting blown off the ball. I think these running backs combined ran for over 300 yards. It was just ridiculous. University of Florida, the number, what, 314 in the nation, they lost to Texas A&M. Who's going to take that fourth spot, Kenny? Like, Right now, it's going to be Bama, it's going to be Clemson, it's going to be Ohio State, but it's going to be chaos for the rest of the year. And think about this: like Notre Dame is going to have to play Clemson, I was so that's going to be another say, big it might time be Notre game. Dame. Yeah, and it might. And who knows if Notre Dame beats Clemson and Clemson wins out or whatever, or gets revenge in the conference championship, it might be Clemson or Notre right. Dame who takes that fourth but, spot. And then next week, it's going to be Bama versus Georgia. So another top three, number two team versus the number three team. Like there's going to continue to be chaos, chaos, and chaos. Like. Here's my one piece of advice for every team out there that only has one loss is keep playing hard because if you only have one loss, you're absolutely still in it. Probably if you have two losses, you're still in it, actually. I mean, there's just well, going to be chaos. And here's the other part of chaos. We keep talking about how the Big 12 is down, and they are. I, I don't think Oklahoma State's going to go undefeated, so I'm not. that's why I don't really bring it up. But Oklahoma State right now is in a prime spot to make a playoff spot if they just win out. Because they're undefeated so far. They're sitting atop of the Big 12 by default because Texas and Oklahoma can't get their stuff together. So if this is is the year a surprise team is going to make it, Oklahoma State has a golden opportunity. Which, let's play this this podcast podcast back four weeks when I said, you know, Oklahoma State and Iowa State are going to make – they're going to – have a vote for who wins the Big 12, and everyone gave me crap after Oklahoma just smoked whoever they played their first game, and then Iowa State loses. Oklahoma State doesn't look good. Who's laughing now, Kenny? They're top two in the Big 12. <laughs> it's not yeah, even close. Yeah, I was like, okay, let's wait four weeks and then talk again <laughs> when, when they're both probably like three and two. Yeah, and Baylor's up top. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or West Virginia or somebody. Yeah. Anyway, we digress. I, I the one thing that stood out to me this week was where was the defense? There, I mean, you kind of hinted on it when you talked about Virginia Tech. There was no defense played this weekend. I I was talking to a good friend of mine who hosts a, a, another podcast, Mike from College Football Bros, and he said the same thing. He goes, he goes, he goes. There's no defense. The only two teams that play defense right now in in college football are Clemson and Georgia. Yeah, well, there's an interesting tidbit. I was listening to a, a coach on a podcast uh, last week saying why there's been so much offense recently. And think about the crowd noise, the lack of the crowd noise. There's a lot better communication communication happening on offense. Like they, they're just way more efficient because they can talk to each other. They can break the huddle and not have to like worry about the crowd noise or the defense. Make it like, it's just way more efficient. So I think a lot of college coaches believe that the offenses are ahead of defenses right now. And that's the same to go with the NFL as well. I mean, I think that it correlates right now. Everyone's hammering the over because there's just way more higher scoring games right now. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a great point. I mean, you don't have hostile environments and fans, you know, right right down your throat. So yeah, I mean, it very well could. I'm sure that plays a factor. It might not be the only factor, but I'm sure it does play a factor. But it's just interesting. I, I haven't seen this kind of scoring output in college football in a long, long time. And even contenders and favorites just aren't playing defense. Another thing, I don't know if you saw this, but Arkansas got hosed yesterday. They got hosed. Auburn should have lost that game. It's pathetic. Arkansas should be like two and one right now, right? Yeah. Like Arkansas, they got the team that couldn't win an SEC game in like three years. They should be two and one right now. Yeah, they got hosed, man. The fact that they what they so they hiked the ball, he fumbled it. Bo Nix fumbled the football. He picks it up and he spikes it backwards. And then an Arkansas player recovered the football. And then they said like there was what no clear evidence that an Arkansas player. No, it said it was no immediate something. It was an immediate recovery. There's a rule basically that says like. If if the play's blown dead, the only way they can overturn it is if, like, someone immediately recovers it. And I guess there was a scramble for it until – and then Arkansas – After looking at it, yeah, it looked pretty clear. Arkansas. I don't, know, I don't know the exact rule, but I saw the statement the SEC put out, and I think it was basically a CYA statement. Oh, 100%. Um, but it, it was uh, – yeah, Arkansas at – the, at the bare minimum – they should have at least, even if they said there wasn't a clear recovery, at the bare minimum, they could have at least said, you know, pushed the ball back to the to where the, it ended up being, quote-unquote, not immediately recovered, and it could have been a longer kick at minimum. Yeah, here's the question. Like, is if, it if, sucks. If Auburn was on defense and Arkansas was on offense, I wonder how they call that play. Auburn gets the ball. <laughs> Auburn gets the Bo, ball. By the way, Bo Nix sucks. I mean, he's not on my stock follower this week. Uh, I'm a stock, you know, but he sucks. He's, he's showing his true colors, man. He is showing his true, true colors. We've said this from the get-go. Yes, he had a great, what, week one game his freshman year when he went out there and beat a top-ranked Oregon. Since then, all he's done has been mediocre, and everyone thinks he's like the next coming of the next great Bo at, uh, at I don't Auburn. get it. I don't get it. I, I just I don't understand the hype around the guy because he just doesn't impress. He doesn't. He can't throw the ball deep. Like Arkansas, the whole game was so pressed up and, and daring him to throw the ball more than 10, 15 yards downfield. And again, he averaged like I think like six yards of an attempt yesterday. Just I don't know. But, but before we get into our stock market segment, I do want to talk about one other thing. I'm super impressed with Lane Kiffin. I think he might be the best head coach hire of the off season. I mean, Ole Miss's offense is for real. They put up 48 on Bama last night. They probably could have put up more, but, you know, they were in desperation mode toward the end of the game, so things just didn't kind of work out. But he's got Matt Corral, 
playing like a borderline Heisman candidate, a guy who couldn't even see, could barely crack the field last year. I just, I, I'm very impressed with what they're doing offensively. Now, obviously, their defense needs some work, but you know, he's not a defensive guy; he's an offensive guy. So he's got to hire somebody who can correct that defense. But I'm, I, I think if you're an Ole Miss fan, you got to be excited. Oh, you're definitely excited, but you're definitely worrisome because that defense is that bad. Kenny, you threw out a stat before the show saying, I think somewhere along the lines that the most possible yards Alabama could have had yesterday in a perfect day was like 700 yards, and they actually accumulated it like 630 of those yards. Like they yeah. only didn't get 70 yard possible yards in the entire game. Yeah, they, they – Ole Miss's defense only prevented Alabama from – having 41 total yards less than what they had. So they could have gained in all their possessions. They had the opportunity to gain 764 total yards, but they only, they, but they only, I say they, they gained 723. Yeah. So, I mean, so as hype as you are about the, you know, their offense, it is really bad on defense. I guess the only positive sign is they were in the game with Alabama. They were in the game with Florida and yes, Hopefully, if they do get a little better on defense, then that's where you can start saying, like, hey, this could be a legit team down there in Mississippi. Yeah, a lot of great performances in that game yesterday, which brings us to our stock market segment where we talk about prospects who have risen and who have fallen due to their performances this week. Brandon, why don't you kick us off and and, and get us started? Yeah, so the first guy I got is Michael Carter, the running back, uh, the senior running back out of uh, UNC. And honestly, I could have picked anybody on UNC the way they just torched Virginia Tech's defense yesterday, but I just wanted to pick a player that I think a lot of people were high on previous to the season, and he had an okay first couple weeks of football, but like last or yesterday, he just he blew up. 214 yards, two touchdowns on 17 carries. I mean, this guy, every time he ran the ball, I think he got a first down. It was just unbelievable. It was like 11 yards a pop. And now to say, to be fair, obviously like the other running back on the same team rushed for like 150 yards, so it almost seems like whoever you put back there, but I will say Michael Hart, Carter, he looked very decisive in his running. He was running upfield the whole time. And it was really breaking tackles after breaking tackles. So I, I, I just love the way he ran on top of the stat line, obviously, he had. And the way he, the way he kind of just diced up for Jane Tech's defense. The next guy, in a losing effort, Terrence Marshall Jr. Oh, my God. This dude is the real deal down in LSU. Wide receiver, had 11 receptions, 235 yards, three TDs. On this season now, he's got seven TDs, 425 yards, He's had two touchdowns, at least two touchdowns in every single game. Unbelievable uh, receiver, and he's only getting better. You can just see it game in, game out. And you look at the progression from last year, he's absolutely just rising on draft boards at this point. Monty Rice, the linebacker out of Georgia, had a phenomenal game yesterday. If you watch that Georgia versus Tennessee game, then there's no way you didn't see the linebacker Monty Rice out there. He had eight tackles, a sack, a forced fumble, two fumble recoveries, and a touchdown. Like this guy was all over the field, just making plays after making plays. He's a he's a senior. He's six foot one, a little undersized, two thirty five, but he is playing like a top five linebacker right now. And we're gonna see that next week when they go against Alabama. After we just you know talked about how awesome they are, um, so it's gonna be a, obviously a huge matchup next weekend. Can't wait for that. Uh, another linebacker, Nick Bolton. And we've kind of mentioned him previous, but I just want to say like Missouri doesn't win this game against LSU without Nick Bolton. I mean, this guy had 11 tackles, seven solo tackles, three pass defenses, and the biggest one coming at the end of the game yep. when they uh, prevented a rollout pass, and Nate Bolton there got, got his hand in there and really prevented LSU winning that football game. It just goes to show, like, we all knew Nick Bolton was an All-American linebacker previous to the season, but you just didn't want to believe it because he played for Missouri. 
Now we're seeing him actually beat top-tier teams and doing it by himself almost. So big ups to Nick Bolton. This guy is just solidifying himself as at least a, a, a second-round pick. Last guy I'm going to highlight is Kenny Yaboa. Is that even not a kidding? Kenny, Kenny Yaboa, yep. Yaboa, the tight end out of Ole Miss. Not the line. I really haven't heard about him too much until I watched that game yesterday. Uh, and he, he was phenomenal. He was a senior, six foot four, two forty, really great size. And you saw his speed yesterday when he caught, you know, seven receptions with over 180 yards receiving and two touchdowns. He also had a 68 yard reception. Like you could now Alabama's defense didn't play very well yesterday either, but he was really dicing them up as well. Kind of, and really running past their defensive backs. Like this guy showed great, uh, straight line speed. Not to mention a great catch radius. I mean, he's pretty much mm-hmm. catching everything that was coming into his into his zone. So I'm, I'm extremely uh, excited to see what he does uh, the rest of the year because obviously that offense is going to be explosive. So I can I can only imagine he's going to get seven eight receptions every game in that offense. So his his stock is definitely pointing up. How about you, Kenny? Who do you got? Yeah. So for me, the, I, I thought my guy, and I know it's going to sound weird because you're like, well, how much can his stock really rise? I mean, he's clearly the best running back in college football, but. Dude, Travis Etienne last night was amazing. I mean, like like I said, Lawrence looked good yesterday too. He looked he looked fine. He looked he put on his typical Trevor Lawrence performance. But dude, Travis Etienne runs so hard. Like I was watching that game and he just doesn't go down with the first or second hit. Like I mean, they were clean shots. Like Miami defenders were squaring him up on, on you know, at three, four yards into his run, and he was just either spinning out of it, busting through, falling forward. Like, everything he does is just moving forward. I mean, it shows. He ended up with 17 carries, 149 yards, averaging 8.8 yards a carry for two touchdowns. And then he also added eight catches for 73 yards. So, I mean, he was just a, a machine yesterday, I mean, and Miami could do nothing to stop him. Kenny, he's a, he's an NFL running back playing in college football right now. Like, if he play, went out last year, he would have been a first-round pick. This just yeah. goes to show what a senior NFL running NFL running back looks like in college football, just blowing it, people up. <laughs> incredible, man. I was I was blown away. Like, I mean, I, I'm always blown away when I watch him, but yesterday just was – it seemed like he found an extra gear yesterday, which I didn't think was possible. Uh, another guy was uh, Quincy Roche, and this isn't going to show up on the stat sheet. I know people are going to look back and go, well, you know, he didn't have any sacks, stuff like that. But he absolutely dominated Jackson Carmen yesterday. Jackson Carmen must have gotten called for about four holding penalties yesterday. He got benched at one point because Quincy Roche was just whipping him, and he could do nothing to stop him. Now, I, I, you know, like I said, this isn't really a box score standout but if you go watch the all 22 film of that game or if you watch the game yesterday you know how well Quincy Roche played and how dominant he looked against arguably one of the best left tackles in the country a a guy who is considered a a fringe first round pick you know and if he plays if he plays well will definitely be a first round pick so to absolutely do that against someone like Jackson Carmen to the point where he got benched and got pulled for a little bit is is impressive to me. So I thought he looked really well. Another guy was Elijah Moore, and he was on my prospects to watch um, segment earlier in the week. And I said you you started to show out, but if you really want to put your name on the map, you got to show out against Bama. You got to show out against Patrick Sertan Jr. And what did he do? He had 11 catches for 143 yards. He was consistently open. He was consistently making moves, making plays for the offense. 
Um, now that whole offense was clicking. So I, you know, and I don't want to, I don't want to trash Patrick Sertan, but Elijah Moore stepped up when he needed to step up. He answered the call for his offense, and he answered the call against historically what's been a very, very good defense. So kudos to Elijah Moore. Next guy is Jaleon Darden from North Texas. Now they lost that game, 49-29 to Charlotte. But oh my gosh, dude, did he have a game? Listen to this, Pastel. He had there was for one Texas North Texas receivers had 23 receptions total yesterday. He had 13 of them for 244 yards and three touchdowns. So he accounted for 13 of their 23 receptions, 244 yards of their 382 yards receiving, and all three touchdowns the entire game. Like he was absolutely uncoverable. He was a monster. It's unfortunate they lost, but what a what a great performance by Jaleon Darden. I mean, this borderline historic, really, really good. And then my last, my last. I don't even want to call it prospects. I guess set of prospects. It's Kentucky's defensive unit as a whole. You know, they gave up two points the entire game, which isn't even on them, so they pitched a shutout. Their offense gave up the two points because of a safety. But they, they, Mississippi State scored two points the entire game. They had six turnovers, six interceptions. Uh, Kentucky had two sacks. They had a bunch of tackles for losses. A ton, of, Even they had four passes defended a ton of quarterback hurries. I mean, they just made Mississippi State's life miserable yesterday, and it was a really, really impressive performance in a week where there was just no defense. I feel like everyone kind of jumped on that train, on Mississippi uh, State's train that week one after they annihilated LSU and put up so many points against them. And then after the last two weeks, Kenny, my question to you is, like, the book out on the air raid offense in SEC, like, is it who we all thought it was, or that offense what it was, previously coming into the season when we thought it would not work in the SEC because it, it, it worked week one and it has absolutely not worked for the next two weeks. Uh, I, I think the, I think it's probably somewhere in the middle. I mean, was everybody flying too close to the sun with praising Mike Leach and, and the air raid after week one? Probably, myself included. But I don't think they're as bad as what we've seen either. I, I think – I think we just got to remember, Mrs. And I kind of hinted at this when I was really when I was hyping them up was Mississippi State wasn't very good last year, and, and they don't have a ton of talent there in Starksville. It's not like Starksville's some talent rich team. So I I think they're somewhere in the middle. I think they've played pretty bad the last two weeks, and they played obviously really really great the first week. I would say law of averages probably tells us they're somewhere in the middle. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. That's what yeah. I mean. But who, who, who are some guys that didn't impress you this week, Brandon? The wait is finally over. Football is back. My soul cries out hallelujah. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props. BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to BetOnline today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE at BetOnline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Yeah, I'm going to go two guys, two quarterbacks. Uh, Sam Ellinger, 
it, it, just because he's the same guy we've seen for the last four years. I mean, he's 30 for 53, 287, two touchdowns and two picks. And honestly, we've had him in our Heisman talk the first four weeks in college football. And obviously he's probably not in that anymore after losing to Oklahoma and now having his second loss of the football season. But he had a chance to win that game yesterday, and he didn't. He threw a pick. He had multiple chances really to come back and solidify that game, and he didn't. So I don't think Sam Ellinger was a great quarterback prospect anyways. I always thought of him more as like a fifth-round kind of QB. But the way the season started, you can start seeing the arrow pointing up. So, like, you know, maybe the fourth, maybe someone reaches on him in the in the third. I think we're right back to the fifth where we started in the beginning of the season. So I, I think his stock dropped a little bit this past mm-hmm. week. Against the team, by the way, the Oklahoma team that is obviously one of the worst defenses in football. The yeah. next guy is Derek King. And you're like, well, why are you talking about Derek King? Because there's guys out there that legitimately thought he could be a quarterback in the NFL. There is absolutely fans out there that, like, you know, like, give this guy a shot. Kyler Murray's, you know, he's short. Uh, Baker Mayfield's short. You know, there's there's guys now that the NFL, they're adapting these shorter quarterbacks that are faster. Derek King is not one of those guys. The other guys I mentioned, like uh, Kyler Murray, they their accuracy and their deep ball was unreal. Like, they were one of the highest – they had one of the highest QBRs in college, if not the highest those years. Derek King's not that guy. Derek King is a dynamic playmaker. He's going to be fun to watch. Maybe he's a slot receiver. Uh, in the NFL, but as far as a quarterback, he is not a quarterback in the NFL, and no way does he get drafted in one. Because you just saw yesterday when he played an elite talent, elite defense, he got he he got torn up. Like he could not complete anything. Yeah, he had 84 yards rushing, but that was just purely based off athleticism, which again shows he should probably be a running back or a receiver, or not receiver. Yeah, receiver in the, in the next level. But who, who do you got, Kenny? Yeah, I. I'm with you. I had Sam Ellinger as one of mine, and I'm not going to harp on it just because you just you just kind of sounded off on him. People are going to look at it and go, well, he had four rushing touchdowns and six total touchdowns yesterday because he had two passing touchdowns. And I get it. He had a decent game. He didn't play bad, he didn't play bad but he did not look like an NFL-caliber quarterback throwing the football against, like you said, which is a, a very, very weak Oklahoma defense. Like He just didn't look consistent throwing the football. And if you're going to be in the NFL – the one thing you have to be is consistent. And you have to be consistent against bad defenses, and he just wasn't. Yeah, he looked good on the ground, but he, let's not mistake him for an amazing dual-threat quarterback. They run a lot of quarterback power at the goal line. That's how he gets a lot of these touchdowns is they run power from the quarterback power from the two or the one or the three, you know, right there within the five-yard line. That's where he looked good. You don't do that in the NFL. That's not a translatable skill for the most part. So he was on my – he definitely dropped – uh, for me, um, another guy was KJ Costello. We talked about it. He had four interceptions yesterday, averaged 4.2 yards a throw, means he was checked down Charlie all game, uh, ended up getting benched for Will Rogers, who did know better. Will Rogers, by the way, you're, you made my list too because you averaged three, three yards an attempt with two picks. Like, just an awful performance by Mississippi State quarterbacks yesterday. And then another guy, I mentioned him earlier when talking about Quincy Roche tearing it up, was Jackson Carmen. Dude, you're you you have the potential to be a first round pick. Like that's what everybody's talking about, being a first round left tackle. And you got whipped by Roche yesterday. You got benched because you mouthed off to your coach after you got called for yet another backbreaking, drive stalling holding penalty because Roche was just crushing you the entire game. Uh, just a really really bad performance from a guy who had a lot on the line yesterday and faced a really, really top-tier defensive end and just couldn't contain him. So as of right now, he did that was not a first-round performance to me, and he does not look like a first-rounder. So that really, I think, hurt his stock in my opinion. Real quick with that, 
being said, I think Clemson is probably the best football team in the country. Agreed. If there is a little bit of a weakness, it is right now that offensive line. Like, yes, they're, they're putting up yards. You're not, I'm not going to want a stat battle with anybody right now. Yeah. But if you do watch that offensive line, they're young. And then the guys like, you know, Carmen that you just mentioned, probably the most experienced lineman, isn't looking good. So I am curious with a team that has a more dominant interior offensive line or defensive line, how they do against Clemson. Well, it was interesting to bring that up because they talked about that on the broadcast last night. They had said, like, hey, Clemson obviously recruits well. They recruit top five, if not top two, every year. But the one thing they don't necessarily recruit as well as maybe other schools is offensive line. They, they talked about, like, they recruit skill players and quarterbacks better than anybody else in the country. But the one thing they don't really recruit as elite as, say, Alabama or Wisconsin or, you know, um, Georgia is offensive line. They just they just haven't done it. And, and, and they highlighted Carmen saying he was really the one guy – who when committed to him was like a five-star bona fide offensive lineman because um, they were spotlighting him at the beginning of the game yesterday. And I thought that was interesting. So it's, it's funny you bring that up, but I think you're definitely right. Their, their offensive line does leave a little bit to be desired. But I guess when you got skill players like that, sometimes it doesn't matter. The only thing I got from that is I should be in the broadcasting business. There you is go. That you should do it. You should, <laughs> you should punt Herb Street out and, and, and partner with Fowler. <laughs> Let's or maybe you and I will just send in a tape, and we'll 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 call ESPN like three games, uh, like FIU versus FAU or something. That's fine. That means I have to buy a suit that fits, though. Crap. <laughs> well, let's get into some rapid fire as we wrap up the show, Brandon. I, and, and this is the segment where we give out some topics, and it doesn't necessarily have to be one word answers, but we want to make it pretty quick. So, if you had your current Heisman vote right now, who is it, Paso? It's not sexy, but Trevor Lawrence. I agree. I, I last week I had Mac Jones. I don't think Mac Jones did anything to hurt himself this week, so I still have him right there. But I would vote Trevor Lawrence after his performance yesterday. Uh, Mac, Mac Jones will have a chance next week for Georgia's defense. Exactly. If he wants it's to be gonna in this be, conversation, it's going to ebb and flow as they face harder and harder yeah. opponents for sure. But Trevor Lawrence gets the nod because he beat a top ten Miami team, and I, I don't know if you saw this, but he had a play where he. He scored a touchdown late in the game when the game was kind of in not in the balance, but it was it was it was kind of flowing back towards Miami, and he scored a rushing touchdown after getting hit with a targeting call, and jumped up, spiked the ball, got in Miami defender's face, got a taunting penalty. It was awesome. Like that was his Heisman moment so far this season. <laughs> I loved it. It's getting fired up thinking about it now. Um, next Speaking rapid next rapid fire question is who is the per- first. P5 coach to be fired this season. So I had a buddy here yesterday, a huge LSU fan, uh, Michael, and the whole game he was like, for the love of God, can we just fire our defensive coordinator, Bo Pelini? So this one goes out to you, Michael, in the sense of I agree with you. The the defense for LSU has been god-awful their first three weeks, and Bo Pelini needs to go, man. Dude, Bo Pelini going to get run out of town after three games. After three games. Dude, they suck, though, man. They suck. A defense is in shambles. That's it's 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 quite concerning because they it's not like they don't have five star talent running around in that defense. I know we were going to expect a little bit of regression, but this is a lot. Uh, for me, it's Gus Malzahn, and I know he won the game yesterday, but they just haven't. Auburn has not looked impressive in any of their three games. They didn't really pull away versus Kentucky until late. They obviously lost last week to Georgia and didn't even put in, didn't put a touchdown on the board. And then this week, they sh- I mean, barring a, a complete 
a gaffe by the refs at the end of the game, they should have lost that game. They just don't, and I looked at their schedule the rest of the way. They just I don't think he's going to survive the season. I don't. I don't think so because I think they're going to lose a lot of games the remainder of the year, especially if Bo Nix doesn't pick it up. Good. Um, best G five team so far, Brandon. Who do you got? I'm still going to go Cincinnati, just because I think that defense is no joke. And this isn't even just stat-wise. They're a top-five defense. And when we look at that team in four or five years from now, we're going to realize that entire secondary is in the NFL. And that's mentioned yep. by two defensive linemen and a linebacker. That defense is legit. That offense is not bad. Obviously, there's some better quarterback play that needs to happen there. But the rest of that offense is good. So I'm still going to give the slight edge to Cincinnati right now. Yeah, they were they were my my kind of one B, if you will. They just lost the tiebreaker to BYU. I'm still on the BYU bandwagon. I, I they they won a close game, 27 to 20 yesterday, and, and that was a bad offensive performance for them yesterday. It was 27 points um, to a UTSA team who, you know, maybe we don't give them enough credit for being three and one. They kind of hung tough with BYU, so I'm still going to go with BYU. Uh, although I feel like like you said, it was splitting the hairs with Cincinnati. I, I do. I'm a huge Cincinnati fan. Uh, I think they're really good. Uh, who, uh, in the inverse of that, who's the worst G5 team? There's a lot of bad teams out there right now, but I'm going to go the team I think Cincinnati just beat last week, uh, University of South Florida. They're just they're not clicking on any level, like all three phases, offense, defense, and special teams. Like I can't point out a very positive sign on that team. So right now they're my worst G5 team. They are they are really really bad, man. I I, I was not a fan. Uh, for me. I had University of Louisiana Monroe. Like they just haven't been competitive. They've been competitive in one game. I think every other game they've played this year, they've been blown out by at least twenty points, and which is crazy to think about because they were, I believe, they were one missed extra point away in overtime to against Florida State from like sending it to two OTs last year. I know that's not saying a ton because Florida State isn't great. But it is surprising how bad they've been this season. I thought for sure they'd at least be somewhat competitive. So um, for me, they're, they're my worst for sure. So, it, Brandon, any other any other things that caught your eye this week six before we wrap up? Dude, and I, we said this in the beginning, chaos. And I, and I can't say that enough and to the point where we don't know what's going to happen week to week. If you think you know what's going to happen, you're going to be wrong. The only predictable thing I will give you – I guess, like, I, I agree with you on is Clemson football might not lose a game. And you could possibly say the same thing about Alabama. Outside of those two teams and until Ohio State plays, it doesn't matter who you root for, who you don't root for. I mean, think about this. UNC is probably going to be the number six team in the nation in a day from now. Yep. North Carolina football, who barely beat their first two games or first two teams that they faced. They're about to be number six in the nation. There's other teams out there that, like, how in the world are they in the top ten? And you got teams like LSU who won't be in the top 25 next week. It's just it's just crazy right now what's happening in college football. Yeah, I think your top four, your playoff teams, when the AP poll and the coaches poll come out later tonight, is probably going to be Clemson, Alabama, Georgia, and Notre Dame. That'll be your top four. And all four of those teams play each other in the next three weeks. I'm so excited. So there's like two of those teams will get out. There will be two more teams that jump in there. By November 7th, when, when Clemson plays Notre Dame, there will be another top four team in there. And obviously Alabama plays Georgia next week, so there's going to be someone else in there. Team Chaos, I'm all on board with that. Well, that's going to do it for our, our week six wrap-up show. We appreciate everybody listening. You can follow and interact with the show on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, 
at Prospects 101 Pod. We're always posting throughout the week. And also, I don't know if you guys saw this, but we have a new editor for our Instagram page. Her name's oh, yeah. Catherine Nguyen, and she is absolutely killing these videos. We have a Kyle Pitts video up, and then we just dropped a Deuce Vaughn video last night, yesterday evening. If you haven't seen them, go check them out. Give her page some love. She's absolutely killing it for us, and we really appreciate her putting together these cool compilation videos. Um, you can listen to us on all your favorite podcast platforms, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, whatever you listen to, it, to us on to listen to your favorite podcast on, we're on it. Subscribe and stay up to date with all of our episodes. Make sure to give us a five-star review on any platform that allows reviews. It helps us spread the show. It helps those platforms spread the show. So if you like the show, make sure you give us five stars so we can continue to keep growing and doing more of these. For Brandon Pastel, I'm Kenny Keller. See you guys next week.